Good, good morning, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the, the gift of an extra hour sleep after maybe a little extra sugar um, the evening before. I'm not sure if that's a good combo or not. There, extra sugar, but then extra, extra sleep. The, the, um, I recently ran across an interview with, with Paul McCartney. It was a recent interview with Paul McCartney. You, you know Paul McCartney is um, probably um, you know, 75% of the people here do know who he is. If you, so if you don't know, you know, one of the people around you will know. But he was a Beatle you know, was, uh, with the, the Beatles and then with, with Wings. And I don't know how many platinum records he has. And he's been knighted. He's even Sir Paul McCartney now. And yet in this interview, he shared about how his fame and accomplishments still don't secure in him his identity and his value. That he's still victimized by concern over if he's good enough. He shares that when someone else comes out with an album, he's always looking at it with critical eyes, wondering, are they going to be better than me? The the interviewer asked him, but but sir, Paul McCartney, you've had success in so many dimensions of music. You, You really feel that competitive insecurity with somebody else that's coming out with a record today. And, and he said, unfortunately, yes. Because I, I should be able to look at my accolades and, and then say to myself, come on, Matt, Paul, that's, that's enough. But there's still a little voice in the back of my brain that goes, no, no, no. You could do better. This person over here is excelling. Try harder. It can still be intimidating. Can you believe that? I mean, from somebody you could arguably say is one of the greatest pop musicians of, of all time and has walls filled and bank accounts full to show it. Today, what we're going to see is that we can't place our identity, our very value, in in anything of this world. That our identity is formed as followers of Jesus. It is forged. It is secured in the grace of God. In the, the unchanging love of God. And as we've understood grace, that it it means that God loves you, period. That you can do nothing. You can do nothing to add to God's love. And you can do absolutely nothing to take away from God's love. That is the core of who you are and who I am. That's the very foundation of our lives. Not what we accomplish, not what other people think about us, not what lines our walls or our bank accounts. Not what we've done or what we will do. It is the grace of God. The unchanging character of God that is the core of our identity, of our value, of our lives. The passage we're going to look at is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's found on page 935 in your uh, pew Bible. 
And uh, in this uh, discussion, um, Paul is sharing with the Corinthians about the resurrection. And, and Paul um, doesn't have a good relationship with the church in Corinth. If you read through Corinth, you see it. They're always fighting. Paul's always trying to defend himself and say, listen, th- this is the truth um, that, that I'm telling you. And you're not living it out accordingly. And you'll catch that even um, in this passage. Uh, but it's uh, found on page 935 your pew Bible, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 10, or you can read along on the screen. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Almighty God, uh, we ask that your Spirit now would, would come uh, upon us, that your Spirit would, would open our eyes and, and ears and our very heart, our very soul to receive from you, uh, because it's your Spirit that witnesses to our spirit, that you are our Heavenly Father, that, that, that You are our Daddy, that we are secure in You, that our identity is, is firm and eternal in You. So speak to us. Let us sustain us in that truth as we hear Your Word, as we continue to worship You. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Now, I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaim to you, which you in turn received, in which also you stand, through which also you are being saved, if you hold firmly to the message that I proclaim to you, unless you have come to believe in vain. So get here, you know, Paul saying, here's the good news. This is the, the word of grace, that this is the word of grace in which you live, you know, in which you stand, you know, in which you're being rescued, in which you're being saved. This is that grace that he now is going to again remind them of the essence of that grace, of that good news. For I hand it on to you as of first importance what I in turn had received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, another name for Peter, then to the twelve, then He appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. I mean, so here is that grace. Here, here is that good news, the, the essence of grace that we live into. And that is it all revolves around Jesus. That, that Jesus was born, Jesus lived, that Jesus died for our sins, and that he was raised to new life in the power of the resurrection. And, and if you, that is the good news. That's what the gospel is centered on. It's not a story. It's not a philosophy. It is history. It is a person. It is God Himself. That is the essence of grace. This is what was accomplished on our behalf by Jesus not by us, but for us. Yeah, so so it, it's not just a, a nice thought, not a, a religion, not a, a good moral guideline. It is the person, it is the act, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. That is at the essence of this good news, of this grace that we live by. And Paul tells the Corinthians there, and if you don't believe me, well look, here's a whole list of people that saw him really after his death and resurrection. 
You know, go ask Peter. Go ask the apostles. There are 500 people. Now, some of them have died, but a whole bunch of them are still alive. Go ask them. The, the, the very foundation of our life is, not, is based totally on Jesus. Now, he's going to share with us how this applies to him. Last of all, verse 8. As to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace toward me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, let's, let's just camp out then on that last part then as, as Paul un, unpacks his identity in the grace of Jesus. Verse 8. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Now, now, you can go back in the book of Acts, and it tells you the story of when Paul, uh, Jesus appeared to Paul. You know, uh, made, him, made him blind and appeared to him. And Paul was headed to Damascus, on the famous road to Damascus. And there, Jesus appeared to him because Paul was one who persecuted the church. Paul was really no different than the, uh, the folks who, who pulled the trigger in Charleston at the AME church, or the guy that pulled the trigger in Oregon at the community college. Paul was murdering Christians. He was there when Stephen was killed. He was dragging them to jail. And in the midst of his active, zealous persecution of the church, opposition, direct opposition to the work of Jesus, Jesus appeared to him. He said, and Confronted him. And at that time, Paul was reborn. And and the word that he shares with here in verse 8, as one who is untimely born, that's a real nice way to say it, that that can get published in in a, uh, a Bible. But it's really the word for abortion or miscarriage. And most likely, it was a name that Paul's detractors called him in Corinth. Paul, you're the miscarriage. You're you're the abortion. And a way that the people who were opposing him to his face were calling him names based on his life of persecuting the church and Jesus appearing to him. I mean, this isn't Paul just sort of a little self-deprecating statement. These are real things that people are calling him and that Paul really did. In in, in verse 9, he says, I'm one who's unfit to be an apostle. He wasn't just saying that. Can you imagine Paul's experience of grace given the fact that he was giving his life in opposition to I mean, he was there, not literally, but figuratively hammering the nails in Jesus' hands and feet and beating him on his back 
as he opposed the church. And yet Jesus appeared to him. What other people thought of him and what he had done in the past are not Paul's identity. What other people thought of him and what he had done in the past were not Paul's identity. They were not the essence of his life. So if you are here basing your identity on what other people think of you or basing your identity on what you've done in the past, please release it. Because you never know what you're going to do today and you never know how fickle people are going to think about you tomorrow. But the grace of Jesus Christ is greater than even the murder you have perpetrated with your hands or thought with your mind. It is greater than what everybody else thinks of you. Paul's identity is not ultimately dependent upon what other people think of him or what he's done in the past, nor yours. No matter what you've done. I mean, was it worse than Paul's? Was it worse than murder and opposing the church directly to their face and carrying disciples and apostles to prison? The grace of Jesus Christ is greater than what you have done and greater than what other people call you. Verse 10, then really the pinnacle of this verse and and really a a memory verse for us to keep before us. Just the first part. You don't even remember, I have to memorize the whole verse. Just the first half of it. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace toward me has not been in vain. Let's read that together. Just, Just that part right there. Let's read that together. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace toward me has not been in vain. Brothers and sisters in Christ, there is no truer word that you can ever speak than that one that you just spoke. You are who you are by the grace of God. Your identity is not in what other people think about you, not what you have accomplished, nor what you will accomplish, but it is in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is done. That has happened. That has occurred. And you are secure in Him. Now we live in that grace. We live in that security. We live, Paul McCartney, I mean, with all of his accolades, all of his fame, all of his wealth, and yet it's fleeting. It's not the essence of life. It's not the identity. And he knows that. He can feel it in himself because he's basing his identity on stuff that's fickle and stuff that changes. But you and I, we base our identity on what is forever and eternal and no matter what happens to our bodies no matter what happens to our minds no matter what happens in our poor decisions or good decisions our identity is not diminished at all because we are who we are we are what we are by the grace of God and that friends is unending and eternal and not dependent on what I do or you do but on the character of God. 
Now, Paul does go on to say that doesn't mean we don't then put effort into our Christian life, into living into that um, grace. And so he, he says then, but uh, uh, the second part of uh, verse 10, On the contrary, I worked harder than all of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. That the grace of God that is within you. I mean, there, there's still effort, but effort is as a result of God's grace. Effort is living into that grace. Not to earn it. The effort and the achievement, the work that we do, it has nothing to do with our identity in Christ. With the value of who we are as God's loved ones. It's living out that grace. And even then, Paul says, even the effort that we put into to living out that grace, that is a gift. That's, that's the very grace of God at work in me. It's not because I made a good decision. It's because the grace of God is alive in me. Now, um, I've shared this a couple times over the last uh, several years, and, uh, but just want to review it. For some of you, maybe you've never seen it. really called a, a cycle of uh, identity. Go ahead and put all of it uh, up there. Um, and those of you that like to take notes, this is basically the slide here. Um, we'll leave it here. This is basically the slide, and we'll take a look. Uh, just, it has to do with the direction of the cycle. And some of you, again, this may be a, a review. This is an identity cycle that, that relates to our acceptance of ourselves. It relates to the sustenance. The, the how do we sustain that identity? What do we do in order to, to maintain that acceptance and that identity? The significance is the value that we get. The, the value we get from our identity, whether it's high or, or low. And the achievement is then what we do. What we accomplish in our lives. Now, the, um, uh, the cycle, the, the way of the world is then called the, the cycle of works. And what's important here is where we start on this cycle and the direction we go. The way of the world, what Paul McCartney's living by, is the cycle of works. And that starts with achievement. And then moves around. The cycle of works. The way of the world says that I first must achieve something. I have to accomplish something. I have to get platinum records. Or I have to um, have a, a good job. Or I have to be well liked by others. And if I accomplish that, then that's what gives me significance. That's what gives me value by what I achieve. And, and I sustain that significance and that achievement by working harder and harder, just like Paul McCartney said. You know, even at the end of his career, with all this going on, somebody's better. Oh, I got to go try harder. That's what the. That's how you sustain the significance and that achievement. And if you're able to do that, when you're able to do that, that's when you rest easy and accept your identity. Whew. That just exhausted me telling you about it. But can you feel the exhaustion? Can you relate to the exhaustion? That your acceptance is dependent on this Thanksgiving, what your family thinks about you. you your, your acceptance is dependent upon what you accomplish tomorrow. The grades in your report card, the evaluation, the paycheck, how your children do. How your grandchildren do. How the Bengals do. Which this year is getting bad, but that's because 
if it had been baseball season, uh, wouldn't have been as pretty. That's the cycle of works. You know, get in touch with that. You know, get, get in touch. Yeah, yeah, I fall into that all the time. That cycle of works. Now, it's the same cycle, but the cycle of grace is what Paul is telling us about. It's the cycle of grace is also the way that Jesus lives. It's what he teaches his apostles. It's how he models it. I mean, you can take this cycle. Actually, this was developed from a couple missionaries in India in the 40s who just studied the gospel of Luke. Because what was happening was missionaries were working in India and they were living, they were burning out. They were falling like flies because they were living according to the cycle of works. Yeah, even in the church. Yeah, how many converts do we have? How many churches are out there? Yeah, how, what, how many people have, have heard the good news? And you can live even with the message of grace by the cycle of works. And so these missionaries, they studied the gospel of Luke and said, Jesus didn't burn out, man. And he faced a whole lot of persecution. And there's a whole lot of work, a whole lot of effort and toil. But he didn't burn out. What did he do? How was he teaching his, his disciples? And Paul, the same way. You know, how, how did he live into that? And what they found is the cycle of grace. And it all depends upon where you start and the direction of the arrows. And you start... At acceptance. You start at the cross. You, you start that Jesus loved you so much that He died for you. That He loved you so much and wanted you to live into the fullness of life. That He was raised to new life for you. You are valued. Your acceptance is secure. That we know is true. For God so loved the world. For God so loved us that He sent His only begotten Son. While we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. We are accepted. We are loved. We are valued. That is not based on anything we do. But it's based on God's grace. Now, you know that. Those of you that have following after Jesus, you know that's the truth. And isn't that... Now, the rest of the cycle is that movement from here to here to where it becomes truly how we live, that living grace. How do we sustain that truth? Well, the first thing you've done by showing up here. We sustain that truth by hearing it over and over and over again. By singing it over and over and over again. By gathering in His Word individually and corporately. I mean, it's not rocket science. It's the basic spiritual disciplines. That's what Jesus did. That's what Paul did. Gathered with God's people regularly. Studied His Word. Gathered with God's people regularly to pray unto God. To take time to go up to the mountaintop. And be with the Father. The, the, the way we sustain that acceptance is continuing to marinate in the grace of God. To, to sing of God's praises. To gather in God's Word. To gather with God's people in order to hear His Word. That is the sustaining work of living in that acceptance. And then we find our significance 
we find our value in the fact that we are accepted, that we, our identity is in Christ. That's the cycle of grace that then flows to achievement. What we then do, what, what then is accomplished, it isn't by us, as Paul said. Even the work of what he was doing by planting churches you know, it, throughout the, the known world, by uh, facing opposition everywhere he went, that achievement didn't flow from his efforts, it flowed from the grace of God. And our call, our opportunity, uh, the reason there is a church is because we don't automatically live in this cycle of grace. And we need one another. Uh, we need gathering together. Uh, we need to be reminded regularly of our acceptance and our value that's in Christ. Ran across a, a story of a, a group of... Uh, um, <clears throat> girls from um, Mumbai, uh, India, who were given the name Nakusa, which means unwanted. Because in India, and overpopulation and all the rest, they, the family wanted a boy. And so there were 258 girls in this city named unwanted. The cycle of works, man, that's a spiraling of works downward, isn't it? If you base your life on what you're called, what other people think of you. And it was a, a wonderful ceremony. A wonderful ceremony where those 258 girls were gathered together. Um, and in that ceremony, they, all of their names were changed. They were changed from unwanted to beautiful. Uh, un, unwanted to wanted. Uh, un, one even took the net from unwanted to tough. And they moved from the cycle of works to the cycle of grace. The world will tell you, and that voice in the back of your head will often tell you, you are unwanted. Just like it tells Paul McCartney, you've got to work harder. You've got to do more. Brothers and sisters in Christ, marinate, let us be marinated in the grace of God. Let's be marinated in His Word. Be marinated, let's receive from Him as we gather at the table, for our names have been changed. From everything the devil calls us, the world calls us, and that we even call ourselves. We are called beloved by our Lord and Savior who died for us. May we live into the fullness of our true name, our true identity in the grace, the scandalous grace of Jesus Christ. Amen.